This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I am a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I'm speaking with my intended parents, Mike and Nate. I gave birth to their daughter, Darcy, two months ago. So now they're at their end of this, the end of the surrogacy journey, but only beginning on their journey as parents and all the fun that brings. I think you might fall in love with Mike and Nate the way I did, but my favourite bit about this episode is that you can actually hear baby Darcy chatting and gurgling in the background. It was really lovely having her as part of the podcast, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Hi, we're Mike and Nate, and we live in Melbourne, and we've been on a surrogacy journey for about five years now. Um, it's funny, when we first got together eight years ago, on our second date, we spoke about family and the fact that one day each of us would like to have kids. Um, but it wasn't until five years ago that we sort of had real discussions about how we'd make this happen. Um, the thing is that we didn't really know what was available to us, the options, um, but we knew that at the time adoption wasn't an option for same-sex couples, um, but surrogacy was. Um, the thing with surrogacy is that, you know, I personally had my own conceptions, preconceptions about what it was and, you know, sort of through American movies and what the process was there. But it wasn't until we um, spoke to a lawyer, um, Ben Sayer, that uh, he put us onto the the path of what to do. So he said that the first thing we need to do is speak to a, a specialist at one of the, um, the surrogacy or the IVF clinics um, and find out some information. Um, so it was really interesting to sort of start that journey. Um, and we booked in to, to see um, a specialist to discuss our options. Uh, so we went to the clinic and we basically spoke about the different um, medical procedures um, that, you know, um, go with the whole IV down the IVF route um, and then we proceeded to basically you know seek out a egg donor and a surrogate. Did you ask family members or friends to be egg donors or surrogates? Uh, we did so I think um, our first step was to um, basically look at surrogates I think that was our sort of first um, step which i guess is probably not the normal way most people go for egg donors first i guess but we did things around the other way um because so, our specialist had said to us that um in victoria you can't advertise so she couldn't actually put us into any sort of avenues of, of where to go um but she did advise that if we sort of join a couple of forums we can learn more about the process yeah um and find out um, and just connect with some other people who are on the same journey yeah so we um put our profile I guess up on a few forums to, or on a forum to have a look and you know just find out some more information about the parole process and discuss it with other people who had been through the same journey um, and at that stage I think the the forum that we were on it wasn't a huge forum and there wasn't a lot of people in Victoria um, there's only like two people on that forum at the time um, and we hadn't really given it a second thought and then we were out at a cafe two weeks later and we got this message from um, uh, someone in WA, her name's Nellie, um, and basically she said, you know, she like, loved our profile and that she thought that, you know, her uh, ethos sort of matched ours and that we have sort of, and she had a good, good feeling and sort of thing and we were sort of, basically throughout the next couple of months, 
sort of was talking to her about um, the surrogacy journey and she'd obviously been doing a lot of research and stuff so she, so she had quite a bit of information that she she had um we, we were careful not to ask her whether she would help us because we didn't want to be pushy and we obviously knew that we couldn't anyway um so we end up we were chatting with her for about nine months um just about you know what we were going through and we end up having a holiday over in perth um the following january we said you know do you want to catch up um and she was really excited to so um we ended up going out for coffee with her um and at that point she said you know really respect what you're doing and I've had a good long chat to my family about it and I'd love to help you and, and be your surrogate. Um, of course, we both burst into tears because we didn't know that she would actually offer to be our surrogate. We were sort of hoping we'd find some help, but it wasn't until she sort of offered that, um, um, you know, we, we could go ahead. Um, the amazing thing is that you know, to find someone who would be willing to go through this journey with you. It's just, it was something that was completely foreign to us. Um, but what we didn't realise is that for the next year, we then had to go through an enormous amount of bureaucracy and red tape to try and get final approval to do surrogacy. That included doing um, independent um, psychological assessments. We had counselling through the clinic. We had to fly... Um, Nellie and her family over a few times to do that. Um, we had to do uh, legal advice. We had to get police checks. We had to get DHS checks. Um, we had to put through a whole package to the patient review panel, um, which is an independent body governed by or administered by the Department of Health um, to get approval. Um, so it was all a bit of a, a whirlwind and a blur, really, of, of going through this process. Um, and it was hard, but it was something that, you know, we were obviously really committed to do, and so was Nellie. So um, we went through that process, and um, the patient review panel was a, a pretty intense moment, but they gave us the approval, um, which was amazing. Um, and then we ended up, um, during this process, finding an egg donor to help us at the same time. Yeah, so to answer your question before, Sarah, we did actually originally speak to my sister about the process briefly, um, but then we also explored other avenues in terms of friends, uh, and, you know, we spoke to a lot of people. Basically, we just told people about what this journey that we were on, and... Um, it's funny, a lot of friends would say, oh my God, I'll be your donor. Yeah. But then when they actually really think about it, they think, oh, actually, this is a big deal. Yeah. Um, so a couple of friends did offer, but didn't actually eventuate um, until our amazing friend Erin offered to um, to donate um, eggs for us, which was, which was brilliant. Um, unfortunately, um, we went through a, a, new, a number of transfers that didn't work. Um, and then... Uh, Nellie wasn't able to continue with us because um, of family reasons she wasn't able to. And she was very uh, upset about it and so were we. Um, but she did say that she was, you know, wanting to help us. So she um, put the word out on a, a surrogate Facebook page um, to say, can anyone else help um, these boys in Melbourne? Um, and that's... And we, yeah, we were obviously devastated at that stage. We sort of had... And we were really busy. At, we were really busy at work as well. So we sort of had put it to the back of our minds it was about sort of mid-year I guess it was and then um we sort of sort of 
put it out of the back of our minds and then we got to Christmas and we had more time on our hands and we thought, okay, we're going to uh, face this again. And then uh, spoke to Nellie and she had put the word out there and we got a response. <laughs> well, that was me. That was you. <laughs> Hello. So from my perspective, it was that, uh, well, Troy and I had been talking about me being a surrogate and it just happened that we'd sort of decided to go ahead the same day that Nellie posted in the surrogates Facebook group to say that she wasn't able to go ahead with you guys, but she would recommend you. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just message her and see if she can play matchmaker. Uh, so that's when we joined the process. So if you want to maybe take us through from your perspective, what happened after that? Well, I mean, we met, um, met Sarah at a cafe um, and it was sort of great to, to meet up. Of course, we were very nervous because we didn't know her, but we sort of spoke a little bit on, on email. So speed um, dating on Sarah <laughs> yeah. as well. And the first thing Tinder. that, that um, we were asked is, who do you vote for? <laughs> which we all laugh about now. And you um, answered correctly. <laughs> yes, we said the Greens, which was good, and she said she would have accepted Labor too. Um, but, you know, what followed from that was a, um, a really great friendship um it was so natural um and and easy and you know in the the following months we'd met troy and the boys and we invited the family to our wedding which was really lovely uh, that was in march and it was really great for the, the boys to come and sort of see us get married and they got dressed up and it was a really beautiful experience um of course the hard thing was is that we didn't realise that we had to go through the whole patient review panel process again because we had a different surrogate. Um, we were able to fast track a few things, but it was still that 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 knowledge of having to go through bureaucracy again, which was was, was hard. Um, but as I said before, it was something that we we knew we we had to do and wanted to do um, to make it work. So then there was probably another 10 or so months before we all ended up back in front of the patient review panel with me in the hot seat. Um, and then, so we went ahead for a transfer back at the clinic. Um, what was that like for you guys? It was, it was exciting from the point of view that, um, you know, we'd, we'd done the hard yards again to go through the patient review process and... We'd still had um, an embryo from our, our previous... Three, um, th yeah, three embryos. Yeah. Um, so we were all excited to do it. Um, but a little bit exhausted as well because we'd been through so much already. Yeah. I remember having to tell you that that first transfer hadn't worked and being quite shocked when you told me just how much it had cost you. And whilst we hadn't really talked about it, costs because it wasn't my business I guess you guys pay the bills and I just turn up at the appointments but I was pretty shocked to hear just how much you were investing and you know how much pressure was on I guess trying to get those embryos to work which was around the time that we started talking about doing traditional surrogacy with my eggs what was your first reaction when I suggested hey I've got this alternative we can do we, I remember when you called us you were on speakerphone and we were um lying in bed it was like a, a Sunday morning I think it was and we turned to each other when you offered and we sort of went our mouths were agape we thought is this actually even an option um and we had never considered it and we're quite um what's the word we're quite enthusiastic to, 
to explore a number of options, but that never actually crossed our minds. So when you offered, it was such a lightning bulb moment. We felt, you know, the, th- the thing that really is hard to cope with with surrogacy is that it's, it's exactly the same clinical procedures through IVF, but there's no access to Medicare. So the costs are huge. Um, and we thought we can actually, you can take the pressure off not having to pay $5,500 every transfer. Um, and do it in a, a more relaxed and natural setting. Um, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, sure. <laughs> more relaxed from a non-clinical <laughs> perspective, but there was still the um, the awkward laughs and stuff when we, yeah. we went through the process, which was um, pretty funny. So yeah, traditional surrogacy, in Victoria at least, can't happen through a clinic, so we did have to go to home inseminations, and I think all up we did it across about five months before we conceived Darcy in April last year? We, um, we got the, the, the news from Sarah. We, we had a couple of months where we got a call or a text from Sarah to say, actually it was always a call to say that it didn't work. Um, and I think that the month before it did work, um, Troy called and we were actually really excited because we thought he's calling with the good news. And he called to say, look, it hasn't worked, but let's just um, give it a bit of a rest for a bit and then crack on again because it is obviously a very emotional journey for everyone involved um but the day that we got the the good news um i'd gone into to work to introduce some people doing a master class at the dance school and nate was at home um and i got these missed calls as i'm reading my phone for these notes introducing these people and went to the other room and i called nate back and he was talking to sarah and he put me on speakerphone and had a conference call and she said um you're going to cry. Said, yes. <laughs> she said, we're going to have a baby. Um, and she had the, the photo of her boys. She did. The whole family. But the photo, oh. I didn't actually see the photo until it came through after the phone call. The first I knew of it was actually during the phone call, um, which was just amazing. Um, yeah, so I, I think I got the original text. Well, we both got the text, but Mike was at work at the time. And... Um, yeah, so we got this photo of her and the family, you know, holding up these signs saying, oh, the kids were holding up a sign saying, my mum's going to bake out your baby. Yeah. Um, had to try, I think I thought for months about ways I could tell you that I was pregnant and it took five months for it to happen. So I came up with a hundred different ways of actually doing it. Um, so then we started a, a surrogacy pregnancy um and it being my third pregnancy I guess it was different for me as to what it was like for you guys because it was your first and only what was that like oh you were so relaxed about everything you're like oh it's fine I mean of course it's always we boring <laughs> nervous first-time parents and you know every week um we'd obsess about you know what was happening and we'd have the the apps that would download and you know look at the videos about how the um the embryo turned into, you know, the next evolution and then, you know, yeah. what was happening. And um, it was a, a fascinating journey, but for me, I was always sort of holding it lightly because, you know, a lot can happen during a pregnancy and it's, you know, it, it is a miracle of birth. So um, it was just trying to be a little bit guarded, but also not losing that excitement all the way through the journey. Um, but as we've said before, we've got such a great friendship with, with Troy and Sarah and the boys that, you know, we were there helping and 
to probably to a point where you guys said, you know, we're fine. <laughs> you know, we'll call you them were, you. We you were you. cooking a lot of meals that my four-year-old wouldn't eat. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't eat my meals, yeah. so that's okay. That was a red rag to a bald with me. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm going to win him over. Um, but looking back, it was a really beautiful pregnancy and, and journey and being able to sort of share in the moments. And, you know, we got the belly buds and read some audio books and, you know, gave things to Sarah. So when we went there, we could have some recordings of us. I'm not sure if they... Um, so Darcy could hear your voice before she yeah. was born? Mm. And we were there a lot, um, you know, having chats with you guys. And, you know, it was really lovely to be able to spend time with you. What was it like coming to all the hospital appointments? Because you did all of the hospital appointments and the scans with me. Yeah, I don't think we would have um, not been able to be there. Like we, were, you know, we were, even if it was a small appointment, we wanted to be there because, in reality, like if we were a heterosexual couple, we would be there with our partner doing that. So we wanted to be there for, yeah. for everything. And you decided not to find out the sex. And I think for me, it was quite, the whole thing was somewhat abstract because I felt like those decisions were up to you. It was your baby. Um, So I didn't feel any particular excitement about finding out the sex or I think I felt relieved when we got the good results to say the baby was going to be um, healthy. Um, But apart from that, I, I found it almost boring in some respects where you guys were really excited. I was... You know, it's just another another day for me. <laughs> I think um, having gone through the clinical process, it just it seems so not contrived, but everything is so micromanaged. And I think being able to let some stuff go and not know the sex and not paint the nursery and have everything, you know, all gendered was kind of a nice thing. Of course, it it put our family in complete spins, not knowing. <laughs> What gender? It took me in a spin. Having. It put me in a spin because I did find out accidentally at the 28 week <laughs> scan. We had an extra scan to check on the baby's growth, and Nate was with me for the scan, and I saw that they were going to have a baby girl, and then I had to spend 12 weeks not telling them. You told I'd... us within half an hour of Darcy being born. Like, <laughs> I couldn't I've keep been it holding after that. onto this secret the whole 12 time. 12 weeks of not telling secrets. <laughs> you did such a great job. Um, but through. Through the process, like we went through um, the Royal Women's um, and we were lucky enough to get caseload midwifery um, and I, I think we all felt so supported through the process. I mean, we did talk to the um, the, um, the counsellor. We had a social worker that a we social worker, to. Right. It seemed that uh, whilst they did very well, I think, to look after us, but we were, we were probably guiding them more than they were guiding us. They didn't really have an up-to-date surrogacy policy so when we were talking to them about having both of you in theatre if I had a caesarean or um, that you would both be able to take baby home after the birth rather than being discharged with me if I needed to stay longer or if baby needed to stay longer that stuff was fairly new to them. There were a lot of wide-eyed moments when Mm. we're talking about separate discharging us with a baby and you and we had ended up having to have a parenting plan just to tick some boxes so that they could feel more comfortable letting baby go home with you because i i certainly didn't want to keep looking after her Mm. um because she was yours yeah but i think that pre-planning of everything sort of definitely made helped with Mm. the end result because it was fairly straightforward when we did did come around Mm. to leaving the hospital i think i was almost surprised because we were waiting for it to not go so well but having the caseload midwifery and having done all that work with them before meant that once she was born 
they they knew what the next step was and yeah. that made it easier. Although we were a bit of a um, a, a sort of a circus act, Novelty, a little bit. Yeah. We were a bit novel for everyone. I, I know I was. I had the midwives coming to check on me a lot in that first forty-eight hours. How are you? How are, but how are you? <laughs> how am I really going? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, so at the end of the pregnancy, we were expecting. Well, I was expecting to go way over because I had done with both of mine, and ended up having Darcy just after her due date by a caesarean which had I guess was not the the plan but it was perfect in that both of you and Troy were allowed into theatre which was lovely and we were so well looked after by all the staff what was that like that moment that she came out and you saw that you had a baby girl Mike's gonna cry again <laughs> you're so patient <laughs> <now. laughs> I'm just here to get the tears it was, <laughs> it was amazing like I think that that moment of when you first see baby and I think we were sort of dead set that it was going to be a boy. I have no reason why. I think because Sarah's got two boys and um, her egg donation that she did was a boy as well. We just, even though the gender comes from the father, we just assumed that, you know, it was going to be a boy. And then when we saw a girl, it was was amazing. But, I mean, it would have been amazing either way. But, like, you know, it was... It was such a beautiful moment. Yeah. And it was really great to have Troy there um, to support Sarah. And, and he's been such a support the whole way through the process. He and was quite excited to be in theatre taking lots of photos. <laughs> yeah, he did a great job. Was he was great. Natural, National Grid Geographic. The surgeon said, you know, I'll let you know when you, you can lean over and take some more photos because he was kind of, <laughs> he was a bit David Attenborough in the approach. <laughs> um, but it was such an amazing thing. And, you know, for us, having a dance school, we've got hundreds of girls that we look after and... Um, as, as Nate said, we wouldn't have mattered, you know, what's in Darcy's pants. It's, you know, we're raising a child and it's going to be exciting. But to have Darcy born into a room full of really amazing women, um, I think there was one man in there, uh, mm. the paediatrician, but the surgeon, the assistant surgeon, the anaesthetist, all the, the staff are all women. And um, I think it was just a really special moment to sort of witness. Um, and Darcy scored I think a nine and a nine, two nines for her initial scores. Mm. Um, she was fine. She was happy and um, it was a beautiful thing and we all got to share in it together and we all had some skin-to-skin contact and it was just a really natural, nice process. Even though it was a clinical process and it would have been, it was a different experience to having, um, you know, the birth in the birth suite, but the way that it was managed was amazing and we all got to share it and From my perspective, together. it was less net National Geographic because I didn't push her out. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was that first 48 hours? We were in hospital. I was in hospital for about two and a half days. You guys left after about 36 hours. What was it like in the hospital with your baby? I don't think we felt um, we weren't in the right place or awkward or in the way at all. We had our own room and that was something else the hospital told us that we've, depending on the availability, but it should be okay because January is reasonably quiet for them. But we had our own room. We were near Sarah. Um, and I think before the birth, I had this feeling of, oh my God, it's going to be that moment we we have the baby and they were like, what do we do? And it was just, I think... The, that natural instinct of parenthood kicked in and we just responded to every cue Darcy had and when she was 
um, when she was hungry, when she needed attention. Um, the first 24 hours after birth, babies do sleep a lot. Um, and it's actually good because we can all sort of recuperate and get some rest. Yeah, um, I think the initial thought was, oh, does she need to be fed or does she need this? And then but that first sort of 24 hours at least, it's, there's no sort of, yeah, it, it's, she's just very calm and, you know, yeah. just. And that was her also meeting my boys and they were very excited about that. Um, I think that... And it was good to make it sort of real for them yeah. because it's very... Um, um, sort of esoteric and it doesn't mm. really make sense I mean for adults let alone children that mm. there is actually human life growing inside you and mm. then she'll have her own personality and yeah. um, you know when she came into the world she was you know fully formed and she was already expressing herself and it was an amazing thing um, and to be able to see the boys be able to sort of share in that as well which is really special and they were great um, they enjoyed cuddles with Darcy um, in the bed and yeah it was really beautiful so um if we think about then the home inseminations what we didn't talk about is that you both actually contributed to the conception process um so when darcy was born we didn't know who the genetic father was was that something that you had thought about beforehand or did you have expectations about what it would be like once she was born well we, we still don't know who exactly you know genetically exactly who the father is we have suspicions but there's nothing like set in stone so um it's not like one of us is asian the other one's black i mean you know we're both <laughs> caucasian males with the same color hair and um you know it's it's hard to actually be able to ascertain <laughs> the true parentage is, but is, we're not we're is not. that a big factor for you or think, is it, do you find it it's a factor for other people wanting to know i think initially when we first did our first round of counseling with nelly and erin we kind of through the whole counselling process, we kind of came to the conclusion of doing, of me do, me being the biological father, just because it was probably 55 to 45. Um, it was only very minor kind of, I had a little bit more instinct to want to be the biological father. But I think once the process had gone on, and even throughout the whole pregnancy, it didn't, that sort of had left our brains. I think we were just happy and excited to have a, a baby, a baby, that it didn't really matter who the biological father is. And I think that kind of then when Darcy was born, we were sort of looking for signs of like who the father was again. But I think that will naturally mm. fade away again once, you know, well, it already kind of has. <laughs> have you had any questions or pressure from anyone to say you should find out or you have to declare who the genetic father is? Um, no one's sort of given us any real pressure. Like, I mean, people have asked. Not said, but the fact is people obsess about oh, who does she look like, where did the ears come from, what do the eyes look like, and, you know... It's... Blame my side of the family for it. Well, no, I think all our, our family are sort of... Um, that sort of interest... Um, but, you know, as I was saying before, it's not about genetics, it's about, you know, the family is a, is a unit, um, whether it's one or two parents mm. loving a child and supporting, you know, supporting them. So. I think, too, that when you talk about genetics, accepting the fact that she's from my egg and just how much I don't see her as my daughter shows that genetics really only plays a small part. It's I've given the genetic material... Um, 
and even the idea of calling her my genetic daughter feels strange because I see her as your child regardless mm. of whose genetics contributed. I think that discussion about what makes a family, is it genetics or is it actually the nurture, it's really interesting when you've got an egg donor that I don't feel like a mother and two parents and both of you feel like her fathers regardless of the genetics. And I think this is why it's so critical to have proper counselling and get to know your surrogate or your intended parents because it's such a huge journey that you set out together and that we've always wanted to have a a close connection with our surrogate because it's part of Darcy's story. Um, You know, we originally decided we weren't going to go and we we never wanted to go overseas because um, especially to... At that time, Southeast Asia was all an option for us, but we decided that a lot of women get exploited through those processes. Um, obviously, there's the cost implications with the things in the US and Canada. But most importantly, having someone who's local and having someone that can be part of our, our child's life, um, I think is a really special thing. And we've all... We've gained so much family out of, out of all this and, you know, friends that we'll have the rest of our lives. Well, you're going to make me cry now. (laughs) (laughs) So going forward, would you have any advice or ideas for intended parents who are perhaps starting out on this journey of looking for a surrogate or considering surrogacy as an option? Be patient. (laughs) It takes a long time. I think the whole journey thing, it's very hard to lose sight of the end product and it's, you know, not that dust is a product, but, you know, <laughs> it's hard to lose sight of the, the journey um, because there's so much, especially, you know, with cl- when you get have clinics involved, the whole bureaucracy of everything. and It's so frustrating because you think it, it's so unfair that a heterosexual couple um, or um, any sort of couple that, that can have children, like if it's a um, same-sex couple through friends donating, um, there's no real checks and balances you know, anyone can have a baby um, but for us to have to go and beg and plead for government to provide us with permission to do it um, you know you can't let that envelop you you need to sort of go through the process you need to be patient with it um, but as I said you need to go through it with someone you can you can trust and don't don't settle for someone because they're going to help you have a baby. Um, you need to have faith and, and that trust in that other party that, you know, it's a really, really important journey and it's really important to do it well and properly. Would you do it all again? I, yeah. I think you would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Darcy's only seven weeks old, so um, we're still... Is this you asking? <laughs> we're still grappling with being new parents. Um, but, you know, I think just it's such a it's a wonderful blessing and i think you know to be able to do it again would be incredible but if if it doesn't work out um th- that way then we've still got you know this this wonderful in our life that you know we'll cher- treasure forever um it's just it's been brilliant yeah i think it'd be lovely for darcy to have a sibling or some you know would be lovely to have but if it doesn't happen then it doesn't happen but yeah it would be nice, I think. But it's been, it's been a great approach. One of the most beautiful things Nate ever said to me was that, you know, after about, I think it was our second transfer and we just lost um, Nelly as a, a surrogate, he said, you know, if it never happens, you know, I've, I've got you as, as family and, you know, that's the most important thing. I think you need to sort of think about 
go through the journey. Um, there's no guarantees. Birth is a miracle. And um, the thing is that a clinic is a business and they will keep encouraging you to go through the process. But you need to be honest with yourselves and, and sort of be realistic about it as well. You know, hope for the best. And I hope it does work out for everyone who's trying it. Um, but also be be comfortable within yourselves and, you know, be happy with, with where you are at this point and just hope that something can happen for you in terms of having a family too. That was the second episode of the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. If you would like to get in touch, you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram and at sarahjefford.com.